Welcome to the Silver Screen Superheroes Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Case, sitting in for Blaine Doubt. This month, I'm taking a look at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, the second film based on the comic book series by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. The original TMNT film had fared very well at the box office, and that, combined with the success of the animated television series and the various toy lines, led to a sequel to the first film, which came out in 1991. The original film came out in 1990, so it's a very quick turnaround here. And considering the films were not shot back-to-back, as happened in the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels and the Darkman sequels and the Lord of the Rings films, is probably the first warning sign that this film is not as good as the first film in the series. Further, the character of April O'Neil was recast, with Judith Hogue likely not to return, as the elements from the first film, like the spiritual bond between the Turtles and Splinter, and the fraternal bond between the Turtles, was much more downplayed in this film. This film has a much lighter tone, with much less violence, and much more slapstick, with the general darker elements from the first film and the comics being significantly downplayed. This probably also relates to the reason why Casey Jones, played by Elias Codius, did not return in this film, as Jones is a character who is, has much more than a passing resemblance to Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. Additionally, Donatello's voice actor was recast from Corey Feldman to Adam Carl, possibly due to Feldman's role, um, not being available for the role on such a short turnaround, and April's boss, now played by Michael Pressman, was also recast, and he has a much less prominent role in the film's narrative, to the point where he doesn't even have a name anymore in the film's credits. He's listed only as News Manager. The principal actor playing Shredder has also been recast, with Francois Chow taking over for James Saito. The role of Super Super Shredder was performed by professional wrestler Kevin Nash, who was at the time working for World Championship Wrestling, where he was working under the gimmick of the Great and Powerful Oz. Nash would become better known much later in his career at WCW as himself as part of the NWO. The film also includes several new characters. First off, we have two new mutants, Toka and Razar, a mutated alligator snapping turtle and wolf, who were transformed by a vial of the ooze. The voice of the two characters were done by Frank Welker, with the suit performers being Kurt Bryant and Mark Ginther. Welker is well known for his voice acting roles on numerous series. Probably his best known work is on Transformers, but there's lots of other work he's done as well. In general, the suits for the two new characters are very well done and are pretty expensive, though not as impressive and expressive as the turtle costumes. The characters of Toka and Reza were originally meant to be the characters of Bebop and Rocksteady from the television series, but for rights reasons, those characters were unavailable. So instead, we got these two characters. The other two major new characters in the film are Kino, played by Ernie Reyes Jr., and Professor Jordan Perry of TGRI, played by David Warner. Ernie had been the stunt performer for Donatello in the first film, and had impressed the production staff enough that they created a character for him in this film. Kino would not return in the later films, though Reyes would go on to several successful martial arts films aimed for kids and young teens through the 90s, in particular Surf Ninjas. The film also features a performance by rapper Vanilla Ice, performing the track Ninja Rap, which in the film is written on the fly by Ice when the Turtles and Foot end up crashing a concert of his. The actual lyrics were written by the film's screenwriter. And, yeah. The plot of the film picks up several weeks after the conclusion of the first Turtles film. April has found a new apartment, and the Turtles are currently living there as well. The Foot Clan has been beaten and disorganized, but has not been destroyed, and further Shredder has turned out to not be dead. 
Meanwhile, TGRI, the Techno Global Research Institute, had been working to clean up improperly disposed of toxic waste. April's coverage of this draws the attention of Splinter, who reveals the ooze that created the turtles was made by TGRI. Similarly, this draws the attention of the foot, as a foot agent tailing April discovers mutated dandelions created by the ooze. Realizing that he can create mutants that can oppose the turtles, Schroeder orders the foot to steal a container of ooze and kidnap the head scientist handling the project. TGRI in the films was a dramatic shift from the organization that appeared in the comics. In the comics, TGRI was a front organization for an alien race called the Ultron, aliens that were basically animated brains carried around in robotic bodies that allowed them to pass among humanity without detection. TGRI's purpose was as a way to sort of covertly help humanity progress, and their introduction in the comics also launched the Turtles in Space arc of the comics, which involved the turtles traveling from planet to planet trying to find their way home, along with a um, fugitive robot described as the Fugitoid. I can see why this was dropped for two related reasons. The first is the budgetary restrictions of using the Ultron, the puppeteering to have the body plus a separate animated brain and the torso would have been very difficult to do in the 90s. Second, Krang from the animated series is an Ultron, and is primarily the only Ultron appearing in the animated series on a regular basis, and he's also the primary antagonist of the series, with Shredder playing second fiddle to them. So this would likely have confused younger viewers who only knew of Krang and might not have thought of the Ultron as good guys. Tonally, this film plays up the comedic elements much more than the first film did. Each of the fight scenes plays up the slapstick very heavily, and not in the fantasy of Jackie Chan's films, but more in terms of general kids' fare, complete with the credits in the opening of the film being knocked out of frame by bad guys that in turn the Turtles have knocked out. The Turtles even use their weapons less in this, the enemies of this film than they did in the first film, with Leonardo and his swords faring much worse for wear. I believe he only really uses them once in the entire film, and basically to stick them in the ceiling and pull himself up so he can kick somebody in the face. Fight choreography duties for this film was done by Pat E. Johnson. Pat had worked as a stunt coordinator on the previous film, and has now moved up to martial arts fight choreography as well. Pat um, started his career as a stuntman in Enter the Dragon, which is a pretty auspicious start, um, though most of his work in martial arts films in the U.S. has been fairly lower-budget fare, like the two Mortal Kombat films. TMNT 2 was critically panned, and I would say for good reason, um, though... The justification and arguments given against the film were poor, but this is a poor film. Uh, critics felt that the violence of the Turtles made them not good role models, and um, outside from that, they found the comedy grating. And I would say I agree with the grating comedy, but there are plenty of works aimed for younger audiences in time that were relatively violent and would have characters which would arguably not be good role models, Bugs Bunny, for example. But, honestly, I, I think the biggest failing that Turtles 2 has is it is a bad comedy. A bad drama can be unintentionally funny. A bad action film can be unintentionally funny. A bad romance film can be unintentionally funny. A bad comedy only succeeds at not being funny. And... Consequently, this film does not hold up for viewings by, well, grown-ups. When I was a kid, I enjoyed this film. But I only really enjoyed it the first viewing, and I never wanted to go back and watch it again. As an adult, I honestly consider the film somewhat insulting to my intelligence and to the intelligence of kids in its audience. 
That said, a lot of people saw this film. The rule of thumb that we have is a film's domestic gross needs to be at least twice its budget to make its money back. TMNT 2 had an estimated budget of $25 million and had a domestic gross of $78 million, giving it a gross of over three times its budget, plus it made another uh, $41.9 million in rentals, almost giving it twice its budget just from rentals. Um, however, we would not see a sequel to this film until Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, which is the film we'll be talking about next month. One other note here of mention for this film is this film is dedicated to the memory of Jim Henson. The Jim Henson Studios handled the suit designs for the pup puppets, as far as the uh, Turtles, Splinter, Tokan Razar, that sort of thing. And this film was released before Muppet Christmas Carol, making it the first film to be released dedicated to Henson's memory. So, if you enjoyed this show, please rate the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or on your podcast site of choice. Rating the podcast helps improve our visibility. And also, please check out other podcasts, including the 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown podcast, the X-Files Retrospective podcast, and the Comic Book Physics podcast, all of which are hosted by Blaine Dowler, and all of which are excellent and definitely worth your time. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.